Well, hello, y'all, and welcome back to the Queer Town Clubhouse. This is a very sexy and very special episode because this is our sixth anniversary episode. (laughs) We have a full crew. Folks, introduce yourselves. You got Kristen Washington here. You got Charlie Blaine. Uh, This is Javi. And joining us from sunny Los Angeles is the one and only Laura de la Fuente. I'm so happy to be here. It's so good to be back. It is so good to have you. It's been a little bit since we've had you on the show. How is life going out there in L.A.? Life is going so good. Um, I was long distance with my wife, Bonnie, for a year, and it sucked. And Bo finally got here and is now living with me full time, which is lovely, Um, especially when you've been married for as long as we have and are as together as we have. Like, it was a tough year. And so now that we're back together, uh, I feel like I get to now start living in L.A. for real. So I feel like I, in a way, kind of just got here. So feeling. How is she adjusting to L.A.? I mean, Bonnie's is a stickler about it, about everything. I, I, I think like Bo's been also a realist lately about it and been like, I mean, LA is pretty. I mean, there, it is nice that there's mountains and palm trees everywhere. And, and, and Bo will describe it like living in Instagram because, you know, they're going to like queer gyms, like everybody gym and doing queer dance things like pony sweat, which are things we only ever saw in our queer ass Instagram bubble. And now we're like it, tactile and touching them. So it's, it's fun in that way. So I think Bo's now realizing how like LA can be. Oh, also Bo got a cool, another cool mullet, like the coolest of the cool and has gotten tons of compliments and Bo would never get mullet compliments uh, in the communities that they were involved in in Austin. And so Bo is feeling very seen uh, by the queers here in LA. And that's very, been very fun. Mullet pride. That's awesome. <laughs> mullet pride. Yay. That, yeah, I had a mullet and now I have a shag and honestly, y'all, I think I'm going to have to cut it. No. It's just, no, it's just not looking hot. Can we get crying baby, please? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got it. How too fast much. does your hair grow? I feel like you had a mullet two days ago. I I think I did. Right? And then <laughs> it, suddenly my hair was like, hey, you know what would look really sexy? Carrot top. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so either I need to, like, figure out a new game plan or I just need to say, like, okay, like, this is what happens when you have longer hair. Sometimes it looks good. Sometimes it looks not so good. Mm-hmm. But it looks great now. I think it – I don't know. I feel like every time I've seen you lately, when you're walking towards me, I'm like, oh, look at Mace. Such a vibe. I'm just into it. So I don't think you should cut it. But I that's think, a personal wow. opinion. Yeah, I think it's a good winter look. Oh. It is. A little shag. Okay. Now, now, what does that mean? Because a winter look to me, and Laura, I guess you're not getting this because you're in the land of no winters now. I mean, we hardly have winter. (laughs) I know, you guys. This is pretty cool. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but Javi, what does a winter look mean to you? Because to me, that means like bundled up, inaccessible. Oh, no, I don't have those connotations with it. It's um, uh, cuffing season. It is Mm, actually, from what I've learned on uh, TikTok, is that it's white boy winter. 
Oh, uh, thank oh. you, Jack Harlow. Wow. Uh, as, as okay. Song, uh, and so people are really into White Boy Winters right now. Can you define you. White Boy Winter for me? Because I have no idea <laughs> what this fin- means. Can you define a phenomenon- White Boy Winter for me? Yeah, there is a phenomenon <laughs> happening on TikTok. Jack Harlow has a new song where he very proudly identifies himself as Vanilla, uh, okay, for being white, and uh, white boys on TikTok have gone crazy with these videos and it's basically them just lip syncing to the song and a lot of women mm-hmm. are going crazy for these videos okay. um, so and like so they traps yeah essentially okay. yes okay. and they've dubbed it uh white boy winter because i'm imagining like like farmer boys from the midwest who are like wearing overalls and have like straws hanging out of their mouths and are you know like chain smokers they're like yeah it's white boy winner <laughs> i'll tell you like, the I'm video like, this is scary i'll tell you the video that kicked off the trend and has gone the most viral it is the nerdiest man you've ever seen and he is very quickly solves a rubik's cube mm-hmm. and throws it behind his back and catches it in the front right at the point where the verse kicks in and he starts rapping to the camera and one of the first lyrics is like i'm not a killer but i'll choke you and he kind of does like a subtle like choking thing mm-hmm. and like I'm not gonna lie it's hot yeah I would, uh, that would do it. I'm, I'm not even lying to you you started this story and I was like wow that's so wholesome and I was like whoa no <laughs> so meanwhile I over here I'm like well what's underneath those overalls yeah I hope nothing there you go but it's your time. It's White Boy Winter. It's your okay. season. Thank <laughs> you. It's my season. Let's do this. Well, uh, hit us up on Instagram if um, you want to get into my DMs. I don't know. So speaking Ooh. of hair and speaking of being six years old, I have the same haircut as I did when I was six years old. Cute. <laughs> I literally, I, I, look, <laughs> I looked back at an old photo of myself when I was like in kindergarten, first grade. And I was like, oh, I've got the same fucking haircut. Like I finally got a bob and I was like, oh, I'm, I'm reliving six year old me, which is like, oh, I'm tapped into my inner child. But I thought that was a funny through line. Are you reclaiming anything right now? I'm going to have to sit on that. I'll let you know at a later date. Uh, So, Laura, big question for you. It seems like you've been doing a lot of really fun and exciting sketch comedy work out in L.A. Tell us about that. Yeah, I've been doing uh, UCB's mod team for, I think, five months now. So it's five shows. We do monthly shows. Uh, Wednesdays at eight thirty. The last, the last Wednesday of the month. It's been very fun. It's been, uh, it's it's uh, a like a fun amount of work, and it's fun to meet a bunch of people and come at it from from a writer perspective. There's six writers, six actors on a team, and it's been really fun to write for you know people I've I've just met and like learn their voice, their comedy voice over five months, and. Uh, I'm, you know, proud of the gay ass things I've, I've put up on, on the stage. My, my first sketch, uh, was a sketch called, uh, Dykes in Space. And it was exactly <laughs> what you think it is. And I'm actually really proud because there's a photo of the, the three actors, uh, uh, Carolina, Jackie and Vivian, uh, in the like blue spacesuits that I, I bought on uh, Amazon for them to wear. And it's, it's on the wall at UCB because a photographer took a really b- beautiful photo and it, and it's right under a photo of like, uh, Amy Poehler putting Nick Offerman in like a chokehold. Um, so it's, it's a cute, it's cute that they're there. So every time I walk in, I'm like, Oh, you're the first thing you got up on. so it's it's sweet um that's but everyone's been super nice yeah my team is love seat they're they're super talented and and funny and 
uh, a, a returning team. So there was some pressure to like join as a new person and be like, oh, this team was good enough to be asked to return for another, you know, six months or year or whatever. So it's been it's been fun. So I'll be on this team through the end of the summer and then like kind of see what happens after that. Um, but yeah, it's nice to have like eight be told you will make sketch comedy with these people for a year. Uh, like that's that's nice. So it's been that's a great very, amount of very time. fun. I get up there and do bit parts all the time. I'm I'm teacher. I'm child of Colonel Sanders sounding person. Um, I'm everybody I would ever want to be still. Uh, and then doing some sketch stuff too. Lindsay's doing a lot too. Lindsay Beltran, shout out to oh, yeah. fa- f- friend and, and fan of the pod, Lindsay. Uh, and I, I love um, both doing stuff with her and then seeing her up there. So brief shout out to Lindsay because oh, we love Lindsay. her so much. She is the so best. Cool. Her too. Yeah, that's actually how Kristen and I know each other. We all used yeah. to work at the same company. Ireland. Y'all went to Ireland together, right? We, we did. did. Yeah. <laughs> I was just talking about this uh, this week. I want to go back. Yeah. <laughs> Make it a plan. <laughs> Got to escape. Hey, Laura, yeah. I would uh, be remiss if we didn't talk about the chairs that I picked up out of your storage unit when our mutual friend Franny was driving <laughs> out to L.A. And I got to see the giant Liz Behan uh, cardboard cutout that you are holding in your storage unit here in Austin. <laughs> <laughs> Did y'all? OK, so so do y'all know what about this cutout at all? What, no. What OK, so when I. No. Okay. So I, I did a, I did a solo show, um, essentially before the pandemic, uh, and, uh, in the lobby before, um, my wife Bonice like worked with the printing company to make like essentially a life-size cutout of Liz and it was foam and it was thick, heavy foam. So you could sort of hold it up if you wanted to and like put your arms around it. And it was Liz riding a horse. So it, you would look like you are riding a horse with Liz if you like picked it up and, <laughs> and held it through. Um, so of course we kept it because what else were we going to do? But it, it's like also so precious where it, I didn't put it in the Prius when we drove out from Austin to LA. So it has stayed in the storage <laughs> unit pristine and scares anybody who goes in there because it's <laughs> uh and it's startling to see a face just that's hilarious there, i miss liz when we have a bigger apartment we'll we'll uh we'll get her out you should loan her to the theater to cold town i've i've thought about that and bogo's absolutely not <laughs> <laughs> okay so Laura, we obviously have you here because we recently celebrated the sixth anniversary of the first live Queer Town show, which kind of feels insane to say out loud. Uh, Like, it feels both factual and incredibly inaccurate. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) um, And obviously, the podcast launched... Uh, after that period of time. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's kind of crazy. And I think it's really, um, okay. Crazy. That's a, um, that's a contextual word that we're taking out of context. Um, I don't know where I'm trying to go here. It, wild. It, it's wild. It's wild. It's weird. Um, and it's like, I don't know. Do y'all have thoughts about this? I'll shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Laura, do you remember the yeah. first Queer Town show? I've, of course. Yes. I, I do remember getting, like way too drunk for it because our sponsor was yeah. Deep Eddie Vodka. Do I have that correct? And we had two breweries. So what happened was, <laughs> yeah. uh, I think it was Hurricane <laughs> Harvey that stopped uh, Austin Pride from happening. And they waited a few weeks and we had the show ready right. to go. We had our first alcohol sponsor. And then in the ensuing six weeks, we managed to get two more. And Amazing. Um, it I think that show was called Queer Town Extravaganza, and yeah. it was a boozy delight. But yeah, I think we were all kind of a 
obliterated by the time. The show well, we all started. had so many sponsors to promote. So sp- sponsored by Deep Eddie. This is sponsored by Austin Beer Works. This is sponsored <laughs> by you know Austin East Ciders or whatever it was. And that was it was too much. But also like the most beautiful photos came from that because I know Bonica, my wife, was the photographer of the night, and we had we have like one of my most favorite photos ever of uh, my experience in Cold Town is us three together. Uh, and I always get it wrong, but above it, it says maybe you are magical or something like that. You are magic. Kind of in a, in a little cutout streamer. And we're all, we have like fake mustaches and we're maybe chained together, handcuffed together. We're chained together. Yeah. Uh, we and I have a bit. referee jersey that says 69, like it's uh, 69. It's the, it's the cutest photo. And like our faces are beaming. Like we are glowing with pride and happiness in the photo. So I think it's uh, one of my favorite photos and I think also represents like wh- what we knew was going to be the the beginning of something really, really fun. Well, and what I can't get over is that I was 25. <laughs> Mace mentions his age. Mace mentions his age. Once per episode, Mace mentions his age. Oh, I, yeah, we took that one off the board. No. But an organic reading of it is very magical, so thank you. <laughs> Yeah, we were young. Uh, we were young. I'm about to turn 40, Laura. Um, well, so. yeah, no, I, well, which means I am too. Which means I yeah. am too. Don't yeah, forget. yeah. So. How does that feel? I don't mind it because I can't change it. So I just say it out loud. It is what yeah. it is. Mm-hmm. Like, I, can't, I can't go back. Yeah, I've been owning it. I stopped it. drinking. That, that's how I stopped aging. I, I stopped mm-hmm. drinking. That was my choice. To I've been drinking pause more. to hit the brakes. <laughs> <laughs> also, that, um, also, I heard that works too, Javi. I heard that Yeah, works no, for sure. Um, it feels fine, honestly. I'm sure I'll freak out when it actually happens. But you're a leap year baby. But so like one could say that you're just turning 10. That's true. Mm. That's true. Which again, if you've been counting your birthdays like that since you were born, it feels incredibly old to say that. <laughs> mm. One day I text Javi out of the blue. It's like, this is a weird question if you're not born on a leap year, but are you born on a leap year? <laughs> <laughs> Truly out of the blue. I think it was also like really late at night. Too. <laughs> um, but I have a question. Like, do you guys remember anything from that first show that was memorable? Like a sketch that really like lasted or even in those like early early days like what your method to like practice was or like your approach to what you were putting on the stage wow Kristen, you really have uh high expectations of what uh, queer town was when we got started uh so we have our fantastic <laughs> space. I'm so sorry. I'm so good. yeah because my stomach dropped and i was like we didn't we didn't or anything. We said, have fun, right? We said, have fun, right? <laughs> and then we had a full bill of like one game. Here's the thing I do remember. I'll I'll can I'll 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 go. The thing that I remember the most is I think we played a game uh where there were like 20 people on stage for the game. And I I I I have photos of me like in the wings. So there's a photo of like a 20 person game that we played, maybe an improv game. Oh, I in, remember in our first episode. Yeah, it was a short and form I, game. I don't know what the game was, but I just remember being like, why are there so many people involved in this in this game? But it but it also ended up being fun. Of course it did, and, and it was a success. So I that's what I remember is having a massive was- improv game. It yeah. was sex with me is like, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. We played the short form game. Sex with sex with me is like where you have to go up and like say your fun thing. Yeah. Okay. Um, and you know, it's like 
easy because you can run up there a few times if you want to. Mm-hmm. Oh, like I thought of a new thing to throw out there. I do remember that there was a couple who was uh, magicians and that they brought people up on stage, including my brother. And I just thought that was the funniest thing because <laughs> it was uh, very like hammy and kind of like... Um, I don't know, vaudeville-esque. Mm-hmm. And my brother was so out of context up there. <laughs> Your brother was like a reoccurring character in early Queer Town. Was he? Yeah. He, yeah, he played some games. I remember with Dylan. Oh, yeah, that's right. I was about right. to say Dylan. Yeah. yeah. Dylan <laughs> encouraged his involvement, I think. Yes. <laughs> yeah, Dylan might have required Shout out his Dylan involvement. Garcia. <laughs> Yeah, that's what I remember from the early ones. They were loose. Yeah, I distinctly remember we had, um, so we had Cretan Extravaganza and it was so successful. The theater was like, do y'all want to come back? And we were like, yeah, absolutely. So we came back as a monthly show and the three of us had never like show run anything before. We had never marketed anything like that. And we took one of the photos from that first show and we literally just put queer town in like whatever text I could find on it. And later, um, that spring, someone was like, yeah, you know, we're just thinking about marketing this, like the queer town style, like whatever. (laughs) 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 And Um, I was like, Oh man. Here's the thing. Canva wasn't around yet. Okay. So around. Okay. We were (laughs) before Canva. I want to say I put it into Google slides and then I took a screenshot (laughs) 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 and it was shortly after that. It was maybe around the time when we'd been doing the show like a year or so I was talking with someone in the lobby of the theater and um, the show had just happened. And I think I've said this on the podcast before, but I think it bears mentioning again uh, because this person came up to me and was like, yeah, you know, you're running the show so much better than whoever used to run Queer Town. <laughs> oh, <laughs> like, wow. That, that was us. That, that <laughs> has always been us. That has not changed. Um, but I'm glad that we look different enough that you don't recognize us. <laughs> oh, my God. That's hilarious. <laughs> I'm hearing evolvement. I'm hearing we've evolved. I'm hearing growth. Uh, growth. We were better versions of our mm-hmm. former selves. I'm hearing growth. Yeah. 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 We've absolutely grown. I mean, Kristen, Charlie, Easterly, it's been uh, a great last few years for us. How has it been for y'all, like joining the show somewhat recently? Yeah, I'll go. Um, I mean, I've always loved Queer Town, like as an audience member. So that's it was really fun to um, be able to help foster it into its new like iteration of you know life. Um, and yeah, I think what we've done with the show um, is really fun, and the people we talk to are some of them are interesting and funny and thought provoking, and I love that a comedy show, like a stage comedy show could also hold space for that too. And I I just love that what Queer Town has evolved into, honestly. Yeah, I mean, so I, I guess was introduced to Queer Town via the podcast. Um, I am like an avid podcast consumer and, um, you know, had like had some mutual friends with y'all and found out about the podcast and was listening to episodes and really enjoyed like the levity and at the same time, the like 
uh, vulnerability and intimacy that the conversations, like the space that the conversations were holding for that and um, really enjoyed listening and then, you know, found out about the live show. Um, and I've now feel so grateful to be able to participate in those conversations and get to meet so incredible, some really incredible people. Um, like through it and get to know them. And, you know, I like to think of myself as a community builder and like bringing people together. And so it's kind of a new avenue of that for me. Um, stage performance in this way is so new for me. And I think it's like boosted me out of my element, um, which has been like really fun and exploratory. I don't know. It feels like a new chapter for me personally in my life. So I'm really excited to be a part of Queer Town and its new chapter as well. Well, you're such a natural on stage. Oh, thanks. And I think both of you, just like having y'all join us for the pod, uh, it's been really exciting, the conversations that we've been able to hold with people. And Laura, I will always remember that first episode that the two of us did. And I think it, the final thing was like around an hour, but it was like literally two hours of us just like, uh -huh. and um, this is my voice. This is how I sound. <laughs> <laughs> I think we need to have a reprise of Queer Town Boozy Live Show and you need to come back. I mean, I would love to. I'll take a massive gummy. But yeah, I would absolutely. <laughs> as I'm taking a booze break, but I would absolutely love to. I, I was just going to say too, like I think one thing that like um, is, strikes me now as I'm reflecting back through is those early COVID Queer Town days. Because mm -hmm. those, now that we have like, you know, two, three, whatever years beyond those even episodes, those were like buoying for my life and my mental health. Like they kept me positive. Mm -hmm. They gave me stuff to look forward to. I was like, I, I remember being giddily happy during those because things were so dire in the outside world. And so... Yeah, queer town. What I'm saying is, queer town gave me hope. Um, <laughs> oh, during absolutely. Dark times. But it's but it's true, and I think I remember there was a period where it was possible that we would stop doing it, and then you know, you and and Javi and, and Mace, uh, the three of us were like, I mean, we could keep going, right? And like also like keep doing it, like that could be an option. Like we don't have to stop, and like because we all thought the maybe the other people didn't want to keep going as much as all of us individually did want to keep going, and I think that was like a kind of a sweet moment that it meant that it did mean something to all three of us. Yeah, you know, as like as an too. audience member, I felt that because it was a really weird time to be in the world. I had just moved back to Austin and I was desperately looking for ways to feel connected to the community here. And I felt like I would turn to the podcast and immediately feel connected, not only to like other people I could relate to, but people in Austin where I like felt like I knew what was going on and I was like engaging with the and with the community in a way that felt like safe and also like vulnerable and intimate. And I was like, damn, like I relate, damn, like this is happening in Austin. I had no idea. It was, it was really good for my mental health as well. So, you know, just thoughts. Yeah. I'll be honest. Yeah. The last four years of my life have had the highest highs and the lowest lows of my adulthood. It has mm -hmm. been fucking rough sometimes. Yeah. And, uh, there is just so much going on right now and there's just a lot of intensity to things and mm -hmm. to have this project, to be able to come back to and to be able to reinvent and reinterpret and kind of renew my faith in myself and the community all around us. It's been really special, like tr truly something that I never thought that I would be able to gift to myself. And it's been a fuck ton of work to get here. And, um, 
like I have so much gratitude for all of you. So thank you for continuing to show up and be present and be curious because holy shit, like it's just, it just means so much. Cheers to that. Can we cheers? Cheer. Can we cheers. toast to that? Cheers. 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 Clink, clink, clink. Cheers. 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 Not how you cheers. 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 How do we feel about a hot topic? Let's do it. Javi, take it away. Yeah. So um, in sort of reflecting on this space and what has been from live show to Twitch live stream uh, to podcast, uh, I don't know. I've been thinking a lot lately about kind of the relationship either we individually or just like queer community has had with the internet. Uh, and part of this is because I've been reading a book. I'm holding for applause. Um, <clears throat> wow. Yay. Paperback, audio, there audible. There it is. Digital uh, Kindle. Just kidding. Uh, they have audiobooks on Spotify now. Anyways. Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> no, I've been no reading a book no called judgment. Extremely Online by Taylor Lorenz, and it's talking about, like, the history of social media. And I was just thinking about, like, my own participation in that as a queer person. Um, and it made me think about, like, well, we have this show. Like, a, we have a, a full, fully produced show that we put out on the internet for people here in Austin. But, I mean, people all over the world have access to our little internet show. So, um, so yeah, I don't know. It's a really broad topic. But just thinking about kind of uh, how, how we use, how, how we all use the internet in weird ways. Well, I think that the internet has always been linked as long as it's existed to queer identity through porn. Mm -hmm. uh, so many of us, <laughs> no, 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 like I'm being very honest, like a lot of feminist scholars, a lot of queer theory experts uh, have put out there that gay porn, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> it's, it's funny. I just everybody thought it was going to be a more gay academic word. Like uh, the tone, no, no, the tone was giving community. <laughs> and when the word porn flew from your mouth <laughs> that's what i love about this show we got range baby <laughs> twists and turns okay miss, um, keep going but but yeah i think for a lot of people porn is the first way that they really pursue their queer identity with any kind of uh intention or specificity i mean you can get very specific with porn uh and i also think that you can express your identity in a way that is really specific. Like it's unique to where you are in that moment. It's you and the device that you're on. And I think that for a lot of people that fosters a deep sense of connection with uh, other people within themselves. Um, and I think because of that, I will forever connect to the internet and queer community, at least personally. I also think that the internet held space for a level of like protective anonymity within like speaking for myself, my own like coming out experience. Like I was able to explore my queer identity online before I was able to like go out into the world and explore it there, not mm -hmm. only through porn, but also like talking to other people online without, you know, like having to be so forward with like who I was, you know, I just felt like, 
it was just this like really safe space for me to come out for the first time. And it was almost like me coming out to myself by having these conversations with other people online. Um, so yeah, I think that there's like a, a level of like protective anonymity that I experienced when I was like first going online and like exploring my like queer life, looking at gay porn also have to say I, before I started consuming like ethical porn when I was in college, went on Pornhub and found this really incredible video of someone reading uh, Valerie Solanas's feminist manifesto while fucking another, I think, AFAB person. But um, it, it's beautiful. It is an art piece. It is not just porn. It is an art piece. It is so good. We'll link it Send in the show link. notes. Send a link. <laughs> uh, but it's so good. Um, but yeah. I too saw an art piece of porn <laughs> when I first logged on and it was Twink Gets Destroyed. By <laughs> <laughs> Heard of it. I, I'm, also, I'm also just, <laughs> I just, not to age myself, I'm the one mentioning my age all the time. This is my first porn <laughs> My first porn experiences were going to a store and renting a video. <laughs> that was my first porn experience. I shouldn't have laughed like that. I, oh, it's fine. Honestly, I Deserve. have like, fantasy is such a strong word for what I'm about to say, but I really do have like a weird desire to like go into one of those like, porn shops just to see what it's like i want to know who's still going to those and like what just what's happening I oh i can tell you it's a lot of old men yeah oh. do you want to go together when we hang out next week we can i mean go we should record nude. an episode uh at one. yeah i'm flying in absolutely I'm flying in. actually i'm in yeah that. let's do it <laughs> mm-hmm. you're six we're getting freaky <laughs> <laughs> I'm into it. Yeah, y'all are making me i cuz i'm thinking about now like early porn days on the internet and I think like, like, like early Laura was in was into like gay boy porn before I was maybe even out myself, which is like uh, I don't think I've ever mm. put that timeline together. But I was like, okay, well, what is online porn? And then I was like, I don't like that. I don't like that. Oh, this piques my interest without even thinking about my own identity myself. Just more, this turns me on, which is on, which is an interesting like dichotomy. There's overlap, but like also. Huh. I would identify as a, a dyke yeah, I myself. There's a lot of complexity like, with huh. porn consumption. It's interesting. I hadn't really thought about it before. Hmm. Just it's only isolating early porn intake, if uh, I'm thinking. Yeah, about I remember intake. some of the first. Which I'm glad porn... we started with porn. <laughs> yeah, well Same done, here. Sure. Thank you. Uh, I remember some of my first porn experiences were very twink forward. Mm. And it's so interesting because I. I'm not really attracted to twinks now, <laughs> but you know, when I was younger, absolutely. Like, cause I think it was the most age appropriate yeah. option. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. That's a good point. You know, Laura, it's interesting because I myself and also some of my like close friends are really into like gay men porn, like gay, like gay porn, not like lesbian yeah. porn, but gay porn. And mm-hmm. I don't, I don't, yeah. I don't know what that is necessarily if it there's, was like- I have a couple theories. Yeah. I mean, like, I, I, there's a couple theories. I think one is like, there's no, well, the, okay. We can have a spectrum of, of intimacy, like false intimacy versus like, well, they both have hard ons. So they're like into mm. it. So it's like seeing two people be fully into it is I think hot in, in one way. That's so true. 
Oh, that's really good. That's really, that's a really great theory because like, I don't know, like as a woman, like you can't visibly see when I'm like turned on, you know? Right. And like conventional early to be binary, like lesbian porn, right. like it wasn't real ever. And I think we yeah. probably felt that in some ways too. We were like, no, like that, not like, no, no, it just, it felt inauthentic. And maybe it's mm-hmm. like an empathic thing, but it's probably because it wasn't true. Like we're right. looking mm-hmm. for somewhat truthful. Like it was like lesbian porn whatever. for men. Like, oh, what'd you say? 100%. Yeah. I said it's like lesbian porn for men. Yeah, like not for yeah, women. Exactly. Maybe they're. Yeah. Well, yeah, I don't. I don't know. I don't know how to map like the fantasy versus like somebody truly being turned on, like two two men being truly turned on. Like I think it's. I think it's interesting. I think yeah. there's also maybe some. I won't say penis envy, but like strap-ons, dildos are such a huge thing in our in our sex life. So like, there's also like, damn, look at that bio dick. Like, oh, that one. Yeah. Like, yeah. The, the idea of like. Damn, you know, because also like penetration versus penetrating mm-hmm. goes without gender too. So like, there's that too. So like, our queerness in a dyke space, we could also be like, well, no, I want to be wearing one of those, or I want to be, you know, filled by one of those, like, gender excluded. So there's also that element to it too. So those are my theories on why AFAB people like. I too often I'm like, look at that bio dick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> bio deck <laughs> so when i was a teenager charlie to uh go off of your comment um i remember joining a um teen forum where you could talk mm. about like how your body was changing by puberty mm. which is like i think like i don't know probably a good space for teens to have but like uh wildly scary in retrospect yeah right <laughs> yeah <laughs> Um, sure back then it was an unmoderated space. Oh, 100%. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I do think that there is something nice about the anonymity uh, that online spaces afford, like outside of, you know, uh, porn consumption, right? It's you can go and you can be earnest and you can ask questions and you can learn things mm-hmm. in a way that kind of shields you from judgment or perhaps betrayal uh, from people in your life. Because yeah. I remember coming out to someone who then outed me to like 20 other people in high school. Mm -hmm. And that felt like such a like scary thing, but online you're not getting that. And it is fascinating to me, the older I get, the more online fandoms that exist, the more uh, certain uh, platforms or websites kind of cultivate their own niche way of interacting with each other and uplifting. Yeah. Fan fiction. Absolutely. Um, I I mean, I'm, I'm, I think I'm waiting for, the queer Fifty Shades of Grey. Like, why has that not happened yet? You know? We just got to ask AI. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's out there. Like, I I would say, too, like, there's something to, like, the written word for, like, let's, like, even still to this day, we're still talking on the thread of, like, porn and and kind of what works. I, I do think there is something about, like, to be binary, like reading two women fucking. So reading smut in whatever way, that's always mm-hmm. hotter to me than any other visual thing I've ever seen ever. Yes. And so that's truly, I think because so much of it is in, internal for, for uh, 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 us, I guess, like yes. as a cis woman myself, like so much of it is upstairs. And so like in order to get turned on in order to that, and I think things are so much more intimately or like deeply more um, hot when they're written. And so that's, I don't think I've seen any porn that's even come close to anything I've ever read. And that's, I, I mean, I'd be curious how the group feels about it, but I think it's, 
it's always been interesting to me as I've gotten older how strongly I feel about it. Have you ever gotten into like audio porn where you're not reading it, but somebody's like reading it to you? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'd I'd be curious if we've downloaded the Quinn app with two N's. Have we indulged in that yet? I haven't done that. Victoria Pedretti. Victoria Pedretti did a a, a erotic reading of uh, their own fictional. Do we know Victoria from what is she in? Pedretti. The name rings a bell. Victoria Pedretti is in. The Haunting of Bly Manor, which was queer, oh, queer fun. Yes. Did we see yes, that? Yes, yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and, she was in you. Uh, anyway, so you, she's yeah. reading erotica, and which has its own kind of tangent of like, you also have to hear like, like people making out sometimes with their hands, which in mm. some ways, but the other is just like, I want to read, hear them read the stories. Like that's a different thing. Yeah. Is that what you were saying, Charlie? Like the audio eroticas? Yes. Yes. A hundred percent. So if I can confess yes. something, uh, I really enjoy reading smut about straight couples. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah. I find it to be very Say sexy. Say it, Maze. Mm-hmm. Hell yeah. I, uh, I, I don't know what's going on there, but um, I find it to be very erotic and interesting. You know, I feel the same way about like straight rom-com sometime, but, but like for me, mm-hmm. in my mind, I'm queering it. Yeah. Like in my mind, I am queering the story as it's happening in front of me where I'm like, oh, kiss. Like, you know, like <laughs> queering it. I, I have a question. Queering it like in in a way that you like you are switching the genders to what you want to see or queering in a way like I would be in the Ryan Gosling position in the notebook and I would be making out with Rachel McAdams. Uh, I think for me it's that and sometimes there's like certain movies or TV shows where I add complexity to their dynamic that Mm. isn't necessarily depicted on screen. Um, Like there's that terrible Netflix show that I've watched every episode of Virgin River Um, (laughs) and Virgin River is like very hot. It's very steamy, but it's also incredibly uh, safe with what they show. And so in like the Mace Kerwick depiction of Virgin River, like they're having like really interesting sex for hours at a time. Mm -hmm. Um, And that is what keeps me coming back to that show. (laughs) It's my own imagination. (laughs) For some reason, like shit that is like content, sorry, shit content that is so like overtly heteronormative sometimes reads to me as campy, which is inherently gay. Yep. You know, but also like (laughs) in my brain, I think I'm gender flipping characters. Like I'm like, Oh, that guy in this rom-com. It's, it's, I'm like, you're so feminine. You're a dyke you, or not. Like, you, <laughs> yeah. you know, I'm like, well, they're oh, all you're just written. really butch. <laughs> they're all written by gay every, men or women. Yeah. Prince. Yeah. Every prince and every Hallmark thing is written, is written that way. Oh yeah. 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 It's, like, it, even though it's always like the red the hot and royal blue thoughtful. was so bad, but it was also like, they felt like two lesbians to me also. Yeah. Like it mm-hmm. was just so like, I, I don't know. Did we like red hot and royal blue? What is it called? Red yeah, red, red hot, white, royal, and royal blue. Red, white, no, red, white, red, royal blue. I never watched yeah, red, it. Hot red. So hot the, red. The book <laughs> I found to be very sexy. The movie I was a little disappointed by, but I also feel like 
interesting that we're talking about online fandoms. Uh, mm-hmm. My book club read that book uh, like maybe a year or two ago, and I had such a fun time reading it. And then the movie was just by nature of being a movie, a lot more prescriptive with what they were telling. And um, it was kind of shot on like a smaller budget, and you could tell from time to time. And I think that took me out of the fantasy. Mm-hmm. I gotta say, I liked it the for movie? some reason. Yeah, I think I went into it with so such low expectations it sort of uh swung in the right direction i don't know if i like read that book on shrooms but it felt life-changing and then watching (laughs) the movie i was like oh this is like a six out of (laughs) ten oh man i i read that book in 2020 and if you have if you aren't familiar with it it's like a fictionalized version of 2020 before 2020 obviously happened Mm -hmm. Uh, and it's like about the 2020 election and so it was stressful because it was like <laughs> they had some high hopes for what um, Texas in particular would uh, would do in the election. I was like, this is stressful and it's fake. <laughs> I can't wait for the real thing, uh, which I obviously could wait for. That was anyway. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, on, on the point of fandom, I feel like for me, I, that's where I found like my safest queer spot. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like my earliest yeah. like memory of like true community was on in these online spaces. I actually still have online friends that I met in those early years on like MySpace, uh, where we were in One Tree Hill like forums and just like talking about the characters. Yeah. Fuck yeah, yeah. That's and um, it, I mean, yeah. So I feel like. That and like fan fiction have always been like a way for me to explore just thoughts that I've had about queerness, um, whether my own queerness or like what I the unknown of queerness. Like mm-hmm. I think I've just been exposed to so much information um, within fandom and within like Tumblr. Like Tumblr was such a like safe haven for me when I was coming into my own person and mm-hmm. in those early stages of like figuring out like when I was in college and stuff like that. Oh, Tumblr was fascinating because a lot of my friends on Tumblr shared the, like the deepest, most intimate inner thoughts of theirs. Mm -hmm. And it was like, Whoa. (laughs) And and sometimes it it did help and it did like, uh, validate and it did, uh, kind of invite conversation that could happen in the real world, which Mm -hmm. I think is so unique in that regard. Uh, cause I think a lot of what we're doing now is so performative and so prescriptive that Tumblr, it was so chaotic in a way that, um, it provided a more interesting, uh, reveal into the inner psyche. Yeah. It's like all early social media, when I, I was literally just talking about this uh, with with uh, with my boyfriend, because we were talking about like our like I've gone back and downloaded my Facebook history, mm-hmm. um, and oh. the first of the first five posts, which were which I I predated Facebook because you didn't you used to not even be able to post on Facebook that wasn't you couldn't post a status, uh, but when you finally could. It had to be in the Javier is uh, yes. kind of yeah. <laughs> syntax. Uh, and of the first five, it's some version, like all, three of them are some version of is getting wasted, is getting drunk, <laughs> is drunk. Uh, that is like all I posted. And then like on MySpace, MySpace had a blog function mm-hmm. and 
it's such a bummer to me that that's just like gone. Like yeah. I have no recollection of that. Cause I used to like, yeah, I used to hang out on MySpace so much. Mm-hmm. And like, honestly, some of oh, like my yeah. earliest like attempts at comedy writing were through my blog mm-hmm. on MySpace. And it's like such a bummer to me that I don't have that. Oh, that it's gone. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. gotta be living somewhere. No, it's, no, gone. it's gone. It's a whole think, thing. Like I MySpace, like, got completely erased. I feel like they got rid of their physical servers. Like yeah. there's no way that company had the money to keep that going. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think the last thing they hold on, they held on to were the pictures. Yeah. But I don't even know if that's even. But it's just, it is so wild that like then I didn't even have like an iota of a thought that this was something that I needed to save. Right. Mm-hmm. Like it wasn't, there was no um, part of myself that was like interested in like, obviously now I'm older. So I'm like, interested in like looking back at the history of my life and like Mm -hmm. who I was and how I was posting and who I was communicating myself. And like what you were saying is that back in those days, early on, we just didn't know to be performative. Yeah. Right. Like we didn't know to like, I want, I'm going to use this to like look good or meet people or yeah, or like have influence. It was just like, it's just like, this is who I am. The, The second guy I ever like dated was because early on in Facebook, when it was bound to only a few universities, like I found somebody at my university who was into like the same rapper I was. And like you could click on, you would put it on your profile and you could click on that rapper's name and it would show you everybody at UT who was into that rapper. Oh my God, <laughs> and, yes. And I would like cross-reference it to like be like, hey, this one's put bisexual on his profile. I'm going to message him. And like that was truly like how I dated in college. I remember doing that, uh, seeing which guys had liked pushing daisies on Facebook. (laughs) (laughs) How were you loving that show? Oh, yeah, that was my show. Like, I was obsessed with it. I was actually crestfallen when it was canceled. Mm. (laughs) What a great word. Okay, I'm going to, like, spin (laughs) off this. Because I think one of the things that I really love about queer community on the internet is, like, kind of in line with, our own personal like histories of like discovering our queerness kind of disappearing as like the internet has changed. I have found some really cool accounts on Instagram that are like, like one of them is literally called lesbian archives. And every day they post a few things about like, I don't know, like, snippets from writings or pictures from magazines that aren't in publication anymore, or these just moments throughout Dyke history, you know, pictures of old gay bars and the history behind them that just don't exist anymore. And, you know, I'm pretty young. <laughs> I'm like, I think the youngest sitting on this, sitting in this room right now. Yeah, on the couch. For mm-hmm. sure. yeah. yep. um, I mean, the cats are here. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. Um, but you know, like I grew up with the internet, but I also miss so much of like early gay and dyke history that was like so pivotal in the like queer rights movement. Um, and so, you know, like I wouldn't know about any of those backstories if it weren't for the internet. And so it's kind of a place for me to understand like, 
I don't know, the origins of like how I've come to be who I am today and the people who've paved the way for me to be like out and proud in the way that I am today. Oh, um, yeah. So I'm I, really grateful I for that. love lesbian archives. And I was just going to say, yeah. I, I, I also hadn't seen a lot of that stuff. So what, what I'm saying is like time is sort of flattened because we're all seeing it for the first time at the same time. Because yeah. there wasn't a centralized place for it yet. Specifically dyke history. Yeah. And so like like the like more Lavender Menace stuff from Marches, like combining and starting to learn specific players and being like, oh, I now know that, you know, poet. And there they are right next to that artist. Mm -hmm. And now you're like, these layers are starting to uncover more and more. So like, I'm totally um, in sync with you on the the lesbian archives accounts and accounts like this, because it's like, where was all this before? Right. Um, And I think only in maybe like the last five years have I seen an uptick specifically in like Dyke specific culture. Yeah. Memes history i think the pandemic definitely gave us like way more meme accounts which i was like grateful for but like loved it was nice it's now nice to like everybody's kind of learning at the same time right um so that's that's i I love and appreciate that thank you internet for that yeah and i feel like it's almost like a way for me to like educate myself and pay homage again to like the people who paved the way for me and the people you know who came before me who i had no idea who they were they existed and it's like oh here they are i'm learning about them through the internet where are they today that sort of thing it's um it's been really beautiful to experience well and there's so much of my life that i have come to realize as i've gotten older that like i don't need to create a new sometimes i just need to pick up the tools that someone else left me and kind of run with the model that they were already thriving with. Mm-hmm. Uh, like when I was in college at Mizzou, I was uh, the communications officer for this organization called the Triangle Coalition, which had had a few different names, but it had evolved from this uh, group that was the first recognized group on a collegiate campus because of a Supreme Court ruling uh, that would allow for queer organization. And it was fascinating the people on that campus who did not know that. And I discovered that by looking through the history backlogs that they had physically on shelves there. And it was a very weird moment of, I had no idea that this organization I had been a part of since the day I got there on that campus was so historic and had Mm -hmm. such an interesting and pivotal history for all of like undergrads in this country. And I remember sitting down with the LGBTQ resource center and being like, we need to promote this. Like this needs to be out there. You can't just like, like, Oh yeah. Like it was the first and then move on with things. It's like, <laughs> yeah. Celebrate it. Take a moment, celebrate it. Yeah. And, and I think there's a lot of queer history that, there's so much organizing that needs to happen now in this moment that it's hard to fully appreciate where we've come from and all of the wins that we've had along the way. And I do think that the internet and all of the other things that have come from that are so invaluable Mm -hmm. with the, I don't know, just like the self-soothing that they can foster. Yeah. Hello, hello, hello. And now for something a little different. Hi, my name is Mace Kerwick, and welcome to the Real Housewives and Fuckboys reunion of Queertown. I'm joined here today with the hottest motherfuckers y'all have ever seen on this TV show. Okay, this past season, it's been dramatic, it's been spicy, it's been memorable. 
Thank you all for gathering here today in the Queer Town Clubhouse for what is undoubtedly going to be our most memorable reunion episode to date. <laughs> I'm holding in my hands private text messages that were provided to the show by an unnamed source. These texts allege that Laura moved out of Texas because of the toots and the tummy aches you were developing after going ham at the grocery store salad bar Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and dare I say it, even Friday. <laughs> Laura, is there a chance that you moved out of Texas for these reasons? Okay, look. The thing about salad bars that many do not understand is that you're able to count your macros way better than just ordering from a restaurant from a server. Do you think I can get 45 grams of protein in a salmon guaranteed when I order it on a menu? No, you never know how big that salmon's going to actually be. So yeah, did I maybe get too much salmon from the salad bar Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday? And that's from the Whole Foods at Six and Lamar? Yeah. <laughs> is that why I left Texas? Yeah, that is why. Because I couldn't take it anymore. Wow, I can't believe you're owning up to the toots and the tummy aches that you got from the salad bar at Whole Foods. And you mean to tell us that in Los Angeles... The fish there give you no toots? And no, no tummy toots? No tummy no toots? It's the gulf. It's the gulf waters. It's the legal weed. God damn it. Wow. Laura's just fessing <laughs> up to things left and right. I see how it is. LA's changed you. Those, okay. those salmon in the gulf waters are not the same. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Javi. Mm. An eagle-eyed listener... Uh, that doesn't make sense, but moving on. <laughs> Someone with very perceptive skills noticed that around the time we recorded our gay ostrich awareness episode, which you couldn't attend because you said you were vacationing at the North Pole, that she ran into you at the Chili's at 45th and Lamar that same weekend. Can you confirm or deny these allegations? Um... Listen, I'm going to confirm those allegations because I somebody misheard me. I didn't say North Pole. I said North Lamar. <laughs> and that's where that Chili's is located. And I vacation there often. Okay. Because times are hard. And uh, I can't afford the amount of vacations that I took last year anymore. So sometimes a bitch just wants to go to Chili's and have some chicken crispers. Okay. And that's a vacation to me. Wow. I'm... I'm amazed. Is anyone else amazed at the audacity that this queen couldn't go to our gay ostrich awareness episode recording because you were what at Chili's? What is Chili's more important to you than ostriches? I'm so sorry. Who gives a shit about the ostriches? I'm oh, sorry. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. I yeah. can't believe you even said that, let alone thought it. They look weird. <gasps> I mean, at least at the North Pole, we were hoping you were at, around something phallic, but. I mean, you have a few, a few too many margaritas at the Chili's. I'll be, I'll be seeing the, the, the north end of a hole. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and that's a vacation in and of itself. So are you saying you hate ostriches? No, I'm saying that I'm fucking a waiter at the Chili's <laughs> on 45th and Lamar. That's all. That's all I'm saying. 
it just it's just really hard to hear that like you didn't care about raising awareness around gay ostriches. And oh, like like, like, like you've like, never given up a social justice opportunity to go get some dick. We're not talking about me right now. No kid. Yeah, we're talking about you. Mm-hmm. If we were talking about me, we'd be talking about me. You know what I'm saying? Okay, All right. mm-hmm. that's fair. Well, maybe we will talk about you soon. I hope that dick was worth it. <laughs> the gay let, ostriches. Let me tell you, it <laughs> was. <laughs> Mm. Charlie. You know that Chili's at 45th and Lamar does have the best golf salmon, I have to <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Laura. F- I miss you. Oh, miss you too. Oh. Miss you too. Also, my headphones just fell off my head. But it was an epic, like, hair flip sort of thing. It was. <laughs> the shag, it was rocking. There's so many lies in this room. Just circling around. Speaking of lies, Charlie, we've heard all season about your new bottled hot tea company, Cup of Charlie. But this just isn't adding up. You're saying it's bottled, but the brand says it's a cup. Which is it? You know what? I don't think that's any of your business, okay? I built this brand from the ground up, and you're just coming at me, okay? Yeah, don't why you support you, small businesses? Yeah, why can't you be supportive? Of course I support small businesses. We are just wondering, as a people, is it a bottle or is it a we? cup? We? We? Yeah, we? We? Who's we? we in the don't room? Don't point at us. <laughs> I am asking questions that are very real, that very real readers and listeners submitted. People are reading this podcast right now. Is that what you're telling me, Mace? Yeah, I'm asking questions, okay? <laughs> they're reading the lies, okay? They're reading the lies and the filth and the gossip and the fear-mongering. Well, obviously, the only person in this room that really supports my business is Kristen. True. <laughs> so are you supportive or are you not, Mace? I'm very supportive. I'm just curious. Can I not ask questions? No, you can't. You can either support me or you don't support me, obviously. <laughs> What kind of questions are those? I'm I mean, giving truly. you so much tea. <laughs> I'm giving you so much free Piping tea. Piping hot tea. Yeah, and it comes in a bottle, though. A beautiful bottle. <laughs> it's it- gorgeous. It's sustainable, maybe. Have <laughs> <laughs> you been a little quiet throughout this conversation? I'm just not a tea drinker, so I'm just not invested. You know, I'm, I'm taking that as a sign of support. Thank you so much, Javi. <laughs> So I was distracted because my two feral cats were scratching a chair. Well, mm. obviously your cats are more important than my tea company. Uh, I didn't say that. <laughs> I was trying to get my cats to shut up so I could listen to you blather on about this tea company. Whoa. 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 Wow. Wow. Misogyny. <laughs> blather. One could say it's misogyny. <laughs> oh, jeez. Good. He's just yeah. been waiting. Uh, yeah. Just been waiting. Yeah. All right, mm-hmm. internet, take this over. In your queer podcast, that's where you <laughs> drop mm-hmm. them. Mm-hmm. Thank In you, your Laura. Queer podcast. Thank you. Justice for Oolong. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Kristen, it's really interesting seeing you laugh over there mm. because I have another document that I'm going to open up right now. <clears throat> I'm unfolding it. That says right here. This is a text from you. I don't know who you sent it to, but it's a printout of a text from you. And it says, Mesa's cats are ugly. What? 
I would never say that. That's what I thought. I thought you were my friend. I am your friend. And yet someone gave me a printout of a text with your name on it that said that you said that my cats are ugly. Who even and prints just, stuff anymore? And you just believe this person? I thought I was your friend. I'm just asking questions, okay? I'm asking follow-up questions. As am questions. I. As am mm-hmm. I. Yeah. I can ask questions? I think it's great that you're asking questions because then I'm also asking questions. Why don't you answer questions. that question? But I ask, why don't you answer my question for once? Well, for once? Oh, for once? Mm-hmm. That's so interesting because I asked you a question first and then you're throwing it back at my face. I answered your question. I don't know if you did, though. Kristen, clear the air. Name your thoughts on the cat's physical appearances. They're uggos. I would never say (laughs) ugly. (laughs) And uh, it also says here that you think that Laura's cat is also ugly. No. (gasps) No. That's, That's not true. I literally, literally just said I don't use that word. So maybe Laura has a ugly cat. <laughs> what am I supposed to do with that? I wouldn't call it ugly. In this economy, do you think I have time for all those extra letters? That one extra, maybe the same amount of letters. <laughs> you gotta get right to the point. I see how it is. Yeah. So I see how I don't it is. See, I I didn't lie. I didn't lie. This person that you chose to believe over your friend. I'm not saying I Some anonymous I chose. source? I'm not saying I chose. I'm just saying I was provided with materials. That you chose to present to me? Yeah, in this exact exactly. moment. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Facts. <laughs> <laughs> well, this has been a, a super successful reunion. No, we're not done. No, 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 no. You come up here and you Attack throw us. dirt Attack at the four of us. Of us? I, I found some stuff too. Really? I looked into mm-hmm. my own personal text drafts, so it's not really an accusation, but I think you're a bad cat parent. <gasps> I wrote that down in a text draft one time. What? Yes. You're not even hiding behind that. You're just blatantly saying it. I am saying it to you. You wow. are a bad cat parent. Everyone back me up now. <laughs> you know what? I have seen some cat abuse. I saw you holding Oscar when he did not want to be held. Okay. Yeah, I was that trying to comfort him. Consent. That was a lack of cat consent. I was trying to comfort him. Okay. He was he clearly bothered. Obviously not. <laughs> Who gets two okay, cats? I saw. I saw Mace on a walk, and he was just walking around with his phone, and I saw him. I was stalking him, and I saw him pull up that feeder, that cat feeder app, and he was just pretending. He was just boom. Boom, boom, overfeeding and overfeeding and <laughs> overfeeding, just giving so much food. And also overfeeding is a form of cat abuse. That's right. You know, it- have you seen the movie Seven? <laughs> you can overfeed someone to yeah. death. Have you seen the movie Seven? <laughs> Where all the air fresheners, that, that one? You know, it's it's not my fault That's that I am the Gwyneth Paltrow and everyone's coming from my head. It's also not my <laughs> fault that I'm the skinniest person who lives in my house. Okay? <laughs> it is not my fault. That one's the air freshener one. <laughs> I think you literally feed the cat, so it kind of is your fault. And yet they could not eat. Wow, so you're victim blaming. That's well, what I you hear. Are, yeah, yeah, you're yeah. literally victim blaming. Absolutely. I'm I'm feeling a lot of aggression and intensity. Yes, yes, you are. That's what we're doing. That's because we. That's what we got. Oh, really, Kristen? Yes, it oh, is. really? Uh huh. Yes. Can you talk to you outside real quick? No. <laughs> I'm comfy. <laughs> oh yeah. Mm-hmm. I bet. I bet. Comfy and villainy. <laughs> it feels nice here. 
I'll stay for Do a while. Do you want some tea? <laughs> yeah. Is it yeah? bottled okay. or is it in a cup? You know what? Whatever form, it better be hot. <laughs> it's going to be piping mace. That was my main question. How would you serve hot tea in a bottle? With a koozie around it. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Sounds like you're not innovative out. enough, Mace. I'm just. Yeah. Think outside the box. I'm clearly very square. So I'm inside the box. <laughs> Wait, is it a box square shaped? You're inside the box. I'm yeah, a little too right. dumb for what you just said. <laughs> right over my head. <laughs> my tea is delicious. It is. You should order it. Cup we'll link it in the show notes. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be linked in the show notes. Thanks, Kristen. Well, um, listeners at home, thank you for spending the past six years. <laughs> Laura, do you have any final parting words of wisdom from L.A.? Oh, um, eat your greens. <laughs> stay hydrated. Wear your SPF. Um, and um, drive everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I hear you guys have a freeway situation over there. That sounds rough. Oh, yeah. yeah. Everyone's closed down. <laughs> <laughs> Topical. People need to drive <laughs> through dangerous neighborhoods. <laughs> Which is every no, I'm just kidding. No, uh, yeah, it, it, there is a big highway that was on fire. I don't know. I, I already use back roads. I, I don't like the highways at all. I think it's it's um for the best that uh, I'm not on them. So that's that's um my <laughs> advice uh, to live in LA. Well, learn the back roads and and don't forget to keep loving queers. <laughs> Love it. Yeah, that's good. Got to keep loving. Well, um, from all of us in the Queer Town Clubhouse, thank you for spending your evening with us. And um, have some wine or have some hot tea. But whatever you do, make sure it's gay. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers. Queer Town. Queer Town. Well, that's all, folks. Queer Town is a Hey Kerwick production. Each episode is lovingly produced by yours truly and Kristen Washington. Our editor is Drewski Hewlett, and our project manager is Elizabeth Easterly. Visit Queertown on Instagram and Twitter for more updates on today's episode. Thanks for being here, and thanks for being queer. Bye, babes. Bye.